Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Reda, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we have a United States women's national team versus Australia recap. Two matches to get through and our reactions to both of those. But before we get into all that, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. You can also head on over to our YouTube page and hit subscribe to never miss a new video interview or whenever we go live. Plus, you can catch great extended NWSL highlights and more over at youtube.com slash attacking third. A little bit of a holiday break. How are you doing? Lisa, it's great to be back with you. It is great to be back. Yeah, a little bit of a break for us. Um, it didn't stop, though, of course, lots of soccer to be watched. Um, my Philadelphia Union, they are on a roll right now. They are headed to their first ever Eastern Conference Finals, which is huge. That semifinal match was insane. Um, penalty kicks, Andre Blake, superstar. Uh, just, you know, I have to plug. You're always plugging Chicago and your home sides. I've got to do it. Union are arguably one of the best sports teams in Philadelphia, and they are slept on time and time again, and they make it to the playoffs. This is like their fourth straight year. Now they're headed to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Go Union. I love it. You better better tell the people, Lisa. You better (laughs) let them know. I love that. I love when you bring that energy. Uh, But soccer and football and and also American football, uh, watch a lot of that. While eating uh, some turkey, and uh, we got a little bit of uh, news uh, before we get into our episode about about American football, right, Lisa? We do some American football. It's next Sunday. It's NFL on CBS doubleheader with early action featuring Justin Herbert leading the Chargers against the Bengals, and then my Eagles. They're on the road against the Jets. Then one of the hardest hitting rivalries in football is renewed when the Ravens head to Pittsburgh for a meeting with the Steelers. It all begins at noon Eastern with the NFL today, NFL doubleheader action this Sunday on CBS. You got to check it out. CBS, they have it all. The American football, the football. And that's what we're going to focus on right now. We had an international window uh, to take a look at a lot of teams in action over the last week or so, but we're going to focus on the United States women's national team in this one. They traveled to Australia. We we did a preview of these two games. We uh, talked a little bit about the roster when it broke initially. We were really excited to sort of see uh, this collection of players head on over to Australia to take on the Matildas in in a two-game series. Uh, It was the first games for the United States and Australia since the 2000 Olympic uh, Summer Games, so 21 years ago, and uh, also the first uh, time for the United States to travel to uh, to face Australia in Australia since uh, the announcement of Australia becoming one of the co-hosts of uh, the soon-to-be 2023 FIFA Women's 
World Cup. So these two matches taking place uh, on Friday, November 26th, and then uh, on November 30th, uh, United States walking away undefeated in these two. The first game there, they there was a 3-0 win over the Matildas with the goals from Nancy Hatch, Roosevelt, and Lindsey Horan. And the second game ended in a 1-1 draw with Ashley Hatch being the lone scorer uh, in that one for the United States as, as well. And uh, Kaya Samin getting that equalizer late in the game for, for Australia. So uh, going, going into both these games, we're going to be talking about them collectively um, and sort of what our takeaways were from, from these two matches, just because of the, the very <laughs> tough timestamp that were on these two matches. We knew that we couldn't do our traditional immediate live recaps that we have been doing for so many of our listeners post United States women's national team games. So we're taking a little bit of a different twist on this one. And I'm, and I'm glad that we're doing that for these two games, Lisa, because, let's take it back a little bit. A lot of the things that we talked about heading into these two games was the fact that there were so many new faces heading into this international window to compete for the United States women's national team, that it was the conclusion of that, that sort of, uh, you know, exhibition post Olympic tour for the Tokyo Olympians who came home with the bronze medal and maybe the start of something new and looking ahead for preparations for that 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. And this roster was broken down into, uh, you know, about a dozen or so uh, of those Olympians and then filled to the brim with newer additions to this roster. Several players having fewer, uh, you know, 10 caps or fewer under their belts. Some players earning their very first caps in these two matches, uh, players like Casey Murphy and Ashley Hatch. Uh, But... I got to say, I think within these two games, Lisa, there were players, specific players, who I think definitely are walking away from these two matches, having made a little bit of a name for themselves. What do you think? I couldn't agree more. I mean, there is so many positive things that came out of these two friendlies between the United States and Australia. Um, Like you just did, so many new players, younger players getting caps. You you put names on Casey Murphy and Ashley Hatch, but Bethany Balster, Morgan Weaver, Ashley Sanchez, all of these players that now have experience um, with this team, with Black Wendonofsky in game time experience, especially as you head into a, a year that is preparing for a World Cup. So that experiences everything and you hear every coach say that and every player say that but um also in front of non-home crowds very much australian favored crowds huge crowds at that that are chanting and cheering and throwing a lot of adversity at these younger players that haven't even played with this team and then being yelled at and screamed at by the fans the australian fans so that was huge but uh, overall just so many different positives that came away from this because we saw all these younger players being thrown into these different situations um, and not just surviving, but handling them with so much poise and confidence and ease. I mean, we saw Ashley Hatch getting her first cap, first start, first goal in under 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Check mark. She's great. She's ready to go. Let's keep it going. Then she does it again in under five minutes in the second game. And I think that 
when you look at a player like Ashley Hatch, who, yes, scored a lot of goals in her club season with the Washington Spirit in the NWSL, but this is a whole different ball game playing at the international level away after just two days of training before their first match against Australia. There's so many factors that go into it. And to have a player like Ashley Hatch be able to compartmentalize, separate that, say, I'm here to do a job, step on the field and do exactly that. Her job is to score goals, and that's exactly what she does. Um, I'm pretty pleased with how these games went, and I'm actually really pleased that there was a tie because the United States team needs to face adversity, and they need to face really tough teams that are hard to break down, that put a lot of pressure on um, offensively and force the United States defense to defend and be tough and be really smart. And we saw moments where – the United States was broken down and where they didn't make the best plays, but that's exactly what these friendlies are for. So then you can go into training with Blacko and Anofsky and work on those things ahead of the World Cup. I just think that if we could have written a wish list of everything we wanted to get out of these friendlies, we would have checked off at least 90% of them. Yeah, I'm not in disagreement uh, with you on that. I do recall in our preview that we talked a little bit about we kind of threw out the wish list concept again we enjoyed doing the wish list here on on attacking third players that we wanted to see get starts in either of these games or at the very least see significant minutes right against uh, this Matilda's side uh and these type of games uh, we also talked about that in the preview these type of games against Australia tend to be a lot of fun in that sense there's two teams that really want to counter and break on transition and sort of hit you with their attack. So there's real opportunity sometimes for there to be big score lines or like we saw with the second match, maybe a more narrow score line uh, after all of the work. And that's so, sort of fun. I mean, we, the conscious that we could talk a little bit about other two games, sort of having the, the 3-0 score line in that first one. And then the, the one, one draw in that, in that second match where it was just sort of funny kind of looking at how that second match closed things out. And it sort of had this high octave, energy or we thought gosh at one point I was watching these two teams very early in the morning in my 4 a.m sleepiness uh thinking gosh are we gonna get like a, a wild like a wild 3-3 draw and we got a draw but it was it was it was a low and narrow uh draw but not for lack of um uh, effort in terms of, of seeing the different looks in the attack. Uh, I think an important thing for us to maybe also sort of highlight within these two areas is that, yes, there there were several players that were brought in that are sort of considered these uh, these next gen uh, next generation prospects, right, for for the United States women's national team. But we weren't able to to actually see them in some of these games. Uh, Katarina Macario uh, with uh, Olympic Lyon is was nursing a, a little bit of an injury, and, and Blacko Andonovsky had said that he possibly wanted to see her in a little bit of that nine false nine role. And I was, of course, we're all devastated to hear that that wasn't going to happen. We we're like, sick, we're going to get to finally see this, and then it just didn't. It just happens sometimes. It, that's soccer, right? Injuries come with with the game. Uh, so she was uh, unable to participate in this, and in fact, ahead of that second match against Australia, headed back to France to continue her uh, rehabilitation there. And similar with Sophia Smith, a player that uh, we thought had some really great looks during those September and October friendlies on the assumption that we would probably maybe see her get a little bit of extra time with these teams, but similar scenario, having to work her way through uh, some injury protocols there as well. And we were unable to see her in either of these, uh, in either of these matches, but, 
let's maybe hone in a little bit on some of the players that did stand out in, in either I mean, of these games. Abby Dahlkamper, also another defender that has had a great NWSL season. She didn't get time dealing with a bit of injuries as well coming into this, which, um, yeah, it, it was interesting because only 18 players were rostered for each of these yeah. matches, um, which was surprising. You bring all these players in and yes, injuries are different and that's a whole different story to take on that. But to not even put them in the, th- in the 18 that could potentially get time. I thought that was a little interesting. Bella Bigsby being one of them. Now we do know that she was dealing with um, the loss of her father towards the end of the NWSL season. And I'm sure that, that's not an easy thing to overcome and emotionally and mentally. Um, but to, she wasn't even in either of the 18s for either of these matches. But yes, Sandra, you're right. Let's dive into the 18 and and specifically the the many that we saw on the pitch getting significant minutes. Well, you know, I know you and I have come on this this show and we have been high on on Casey Murphy. Uh, and her ability as goalkeeper and in that we're watching what she did with North Carolina Courage during the 2021 regular NWSL season. Uh, but, you know, we also took note that, you know, Jane Campbell was a player of the three goalkeepers had the most caps heading into these matches with, with a whopping seven, I believe it was. So not a, not a, not a ton. Right. But when you're looking at, I guess, what's considered the experience, like she was, the two senior national team level uh, was the more senior national team level experienced goalkeeper in that aspect. So I was thrilled uh, when we got to see this first match and uh, Casey Murphy got the start, but I was even more thrilled to see that she got a second consecutive start uh, to close out this two game series a little bit of curiosity I think maybe in in, is whether or not that was planned or or perhaps maybe that was she earned that based on her shutout that she got in in that first game but I I was delighted to see that she got not only time but two full consecutive starts in this two-game series and then she's walking away with a shutout in one of them and almost nearly went you know we're talking 180 minutes of of a shutout but but that deflected goal uh, in the 80th minute from Kaya Simon for the Matilda sort of uh, smash that but such an impressive showing uh from this goalkeeper who's really back in the mix I feel after this uh couple of games you know and and Casey Murphy making her return to this team after sort of getting some looks a little bit in, in 2018 and spending some time with the team in 2021, but not really getting time, you know, with she believes in, 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 uh, in 2021. And now having gone through that long grind of a season, right. With NWSL, we're talking a long 10 month, almost type season. Uh, and then getting the the return and the call up back and, and, and walking away with two starts. It was, it was great. She was definitely one of my players uh, who I think uh, walked away with a, a bigger name for herself than she walked in with. Casey Murphy definitely made a name for herself. I think she had eight saves in the first game. So even if the plan wasn't to start her for the second match, how can you not a player that's coming off so much momentum, so much confidence from that first match, getting the shutout and everything. I I well, well deserved that she got the start in the second match. Um, I also want to talk about the back line 
for Vlaco and Anofsky because um, there was only one change between the starting lineups between the first match and the second match, um, that being the outside back position. The first one, uh, Emily Sonnet getting the start in the outside back position. Second game, it was Sofia Huerta who saw time at the end of the first match. But otherwise, it was Emily Fox on the outside left, Tierna Davidson, Alana Cook, and then Sonnet, uh, which then became Huerta in the second match. Um, and, and this is really what I want to look at because you and I both for our wish list had Becky Sarbron starting in the back line because having we that did. little bit of veteran experience, we both put her there. Um, yep. She didn't get the start, which uh, if we know Becky and if anyone else knows Becky, she was so happy to be on the bench and be cheering on those younger players being on the field. Um, but a player like Emily Fox, I think we saw what she is truly capable of getting starts and minutes um, and having the confidence in, in that position and the role that she was given to not only get up the flank and join in the attack, which she definitely did number of times, but also to have the freedom to kind of float around the field when she can dribbling the ball laterally, horizontally across the field to open up those pockets, find those seams. She has an incredible vision of, of the yeah. field to get around players and then to pick up out passes and and to find those holes um, to lay the ball off really really well for forwards. So she usually skips the midfield line, um, and and we've known this about Emily Fox. I'm not saying anything that's new. However, we saw in the second match specifically, Emily Fox had to do a lot of one v one defending. Uh, the Matildas really piled on the right side, uh, Emily being on the left. So the Matildas going up their own right flank, um, doing overlaps, creating numbers up opportunities that created Australia a lot of chances that made them very, very dangerous. And I have to say, Emily Fox's 1v1 defending, I was very pleasantly surprised at how well she did. You could even see there were moments where she was getting tired. Um, and that's where a player like Emily Fox, you could see her brain working harder when her body got tired. Because as defender, especially, you cannot take any plays off. I mean, anywhere on the field, you can't. But if your body is tired and you know you're not going to be able to sprint as fast as you could maybe in the first 20 minutes of the match, um, you're not going to expose yourself that much. So you can play a little bit smarter. You can make those passes quicker. You don't dribble as much on the ball. You let the ball do the work. And that's exactly what Emily Fox did. She didn't let her her lack of energy um, affect her defensive efforts, especially in 1v1 defending. Um, maybe it affected her attacking abilities, but that's not what you want. That's or Excuse me, that's exactly what you want from a defender. You want them to be able to defend perfectly. Um, another player in the back line that I was very, very pleasantly surprised and pleased with, Alana Cook. Uh, she's young. She definitely has some room to grow defensively. I think she did a fantastic job. Her vision of the of the field and her distribution out of the center back, uh, that'll come. And that'll come with knowing her personnel up front and, and the players that are making those runs and where Ashley Hatch is going to make a run and, and which way Margaret Purse wants the ball placed into her, uh, which is something that Becky Sauerbrunn does very, very, very well. So when comparing the two, Yes, Becky Sauerbrunn is going to win out over Alana Cook. However, I think defensively, Alana Cook did a really nice job of holding it down in that center back position, and her distribution will come. Um, so that's we kind of my the back line a little bit. We we love our defenders, so of course, naturally, we didn't even plan it this way, Lisa, but we're talking about the players that stood out to us the most, and we're starting with goalkeepers and going to the back line. I love it so much, but I, I again, shocking, I'm 
not going to disagree with you on that. One of my favorite things to take note of during these two matches was some of the rotation that we saw in the back line uh, in, in both of these games. And I'm in agreement with you with much of what you said about uh, Emily Fox. And I, I do feel that she had a, obviously a, a bit of a stronger game in the second match versus the first match, only sort of having that first half to go uh, to go at and, and get an opportunity. But I think uh, maybe that first match was more about just you know, the fact that she kind of hadn't played in some time, mm-hmm. you know, Louisville was eliminated from playoff contention for a very long time. Uh, there was about a whole month there or so where maybe she wasn't having that week to week sort of uh, regiment. And sometimes with the travel and, you know, the short trainings, you still got to you need that time to to find your legs uh, under you. And I think she found them more in that uh, second in that second match. Uh, and there were moments where maybe it sort of felt like she was going too narrow, but maybe that was also part of because of some of the recoveries that she was having to do. There were moments where I was like 1v1 this almost sort of feels like 2v1 because these yes. overlapping runs between Ellie Carpenter, Amy Rasso, Emily Fox at her work cut out to her. I mean she punched the clock and put in a shift. So this 76 or so ish minutes that we saw from Fox in the second game I thought were even more impressive than they were from her her first match and I think the same can be echoed for uh, somebody like a Sofia Huerta who came in in that first game as a second half uh, substitute to sort of be this game changer immediately wins the ball right heads it to to Purse who lays it off for Lavelle for that goal uh, just immediate impact right coming into into the game which is difficult to do if you're coming uh if you're coming in cold like that but that earned something like those type of performances and her ability to read the game as well also got her the start in that uh in that second match and it sort of felt like once once uh the u.s was starting to find huerta who was a little bit more open at times than mm-hmm. than fox and in the open space on the opposite side that it kind of opened things up a little bit more for for the team so i was very impressed with with the outside back positions coming out of these two matches which i think if you're black onowski and the coaching staff you're like smiling from ear to ear because one of the things surrounding this national team is you know what's going on with the outside back position and the, and the depth or the lack thereof and it just looks coming out of these two games like it actually expanded versus not having the answers uh, for that and I love that we're talking about Murphy I love that we're talking about mm-hmm. Fox and Huerta you know for uh, CBSSports.com I I put out you know five players who I thought specifically you know sort of raised their stock and boosted up their stock a little bit coming out of the national team camps and for the national team specifically. And these three players were on it along, uh, along with Ashley Hatch and along with, with Margaret uh, purse. So I guess now let's talk about maybe that front line a little bit. Now that we've talked a little bit about players who have stood out to us and we started in the back, like we like to do, but this attacking presence for this team, right? We got to see some different looks, but we saw Margaret purse and Ashley Hatch as two consistent factors in that. And then we got to see, Rose Lavelle get pushed higher at some point. Yeah. And that was also just like, we're just having fun now, folks. That's just sort of what it felt like. Um, along uh, also with the, uh, with Lynn Williams uh, getting more, more time with this team. And I, and I was, was happy to see that as well, because I feel like Lynn Williams um, really sort of became, is someone that we could sort of point to and look at and say, that is a Vlako Andonovsky prototypical attacking player. Um, and I think leading up into the Tokyo Olympics, uh, 
in the latter stages of prepper, like preparing for that type of tournament, that maybe she fell off versus the form of some other player, like somebody like a, a Chris Impress who was just like outstanding, right? Um, but has always been in the mix since Vlako Andonovsky has taken over the head coaching position of the United States women's national team. And she uh, was chosen as an alternate to go, but then eventually was fully an Olympian based on, on the rules of the Tokyo games this year. Uh, and we're continuing to see Vlako Andonovsky utilize Lynn Williams in these, uh, in this uh, frontline role. Um, so I loved seeing the different looks that, all three of these players were able to sort of link up and combine with. And the fact that somebody like Margaret Purse made her return into this national team camp after sustaining an injury midseason, getting left off of that Olympic roster, coming back with Gotham FC, making an impact, absolutely making a push, was in the mix for the Golden Boot Race, mm -hmm. became an MVP candidate in the NWSL 2021 season, and came back and got invited back into this national team camp as a forward, not a defender. So you know I was absolutely hyped to see this player get those consecutive starts in a frontline position. And it's not shocking, I think, to either of us, Lisa, that she walked away with two assists in two games. No, I'm not shocked at all. I think uh, uh, to start with Margaret Purse, yes, to see her getting the start is so so well deserved. It would have been almost a letdown if she didn't. So great job, Blacko, on your side for that one. Um, it really she did, and she her presence on both sides of the ball was very eminent. Um, I, I think the way that we we've touched on a little bit, but um, the tactics were a little bit different from Vladanovsky than we've seen in the past, and that forced players like Lynn Williams and Margaret Purse as outside wings, seven and elevens, uh, wing back forward players to be more defensive when the United States didn't have the ball and really push in. It was almost like that center nine forward in, in Ashley Hatch most of the time was pressing high. And then it was uh, the the midfielder in Rose Lavelle coming out to be that second press, whereas uh, Purse and Williams were really pinched in doing defensive reading work, not just chasing the ball. And that's where I saw the smarts from Margaret Purse shine, uh, more so than I did from Lynn Williams. I'm, I'm going to be a little honest. I was a little disappointed in what I saw from Lynn Williams, specifically in the first match. Um, now, yes, she is very much a traditional Black Wendonofsky player, and I'm sure she was doing her job correctly. But the way that Hatch and Purse outshined Lynn Williams, I was a little disappointed. I wanted a little bit more from Lynn. I wanted her to be a little bit more hungry for the goals. I wanted her to be a little bit more consistent on her crosses into the box. And, and there were times when it kind of slipped off her foot the wrong way. And it was like, oh, whatever, it's fine, it'll happen. But those were the moments when I wanted Lynn to be the veteran in that front line because that's what she is. She went to the Olympics and Hatch and Purse uh, didn't. Um, so I wanted Lynn to kind of shoulder some of that burden of being like, this is how we do it. This is how we take control of the game as forwards. And this is how we defend. Um, and I didn't really see that from her, especially in the first game. Second game, she definitely came into her own a little bit more. She had a little bit more time on the ball, a little more, more space to make the magic happen and do those fantastic Lynn Williams things that she does. Um, uh, that being said, I think 
of course, Ashley Hatch with two goals. She she did a fantastic job, but her work off the ball was really tremendous. The, the goal in the second game that Hatch had in uh, the fourth minute or so, defensively, Hatch started that play. She, she did. She got her toe stuck in, and she was able to flick it onward for, for Lynn Williams, who had great vision to find Purse on the far side. Um, but then Hatch streaking down the field to get on the end of it and get the goal. So I think I'm... Uh, what I saw from Hatch was more exciting and more promising for the future than maybe what I saw from Lynn Williams. However, Lynn Williams has done done it more consistently and more frequently, so we know she can do it. And maybe this was her chance to kind of play a different role in the lineup. Um, but I love Hatch. I love Hatch as that high striker not the false nine, which is what we would have seen if Kat Macario had slid into that role. She would have been almost a false nine dropping back into the midfield a lot more, which is how we saw Carly Lloyd play that position. So I think with Kat Macario being out with that groin injury, it was a blessing in disguise for Ashley Hatch, of course, who then earned the start in the first game that got her the goal that most likely earned her the start in the second game as well. And we also saw different tactics from Black Wandanowski because now you have a player that wants to run in Ashley Hatch and be that nine, wants to press forward every time the ball is played over the top and also wants to press. She wants to chase the ball around and chase the center backs down and, and pick up the ball, which allows you to press differently with the high nines and the seven and elevens pinched in and then with your number 10 attacking midfielder pressing forward. Um, so blessing in disguise all over the pitch for them. Um, and, and that really rounds out our front line, honestly, yeah. with, with what we saw. And, and when Weaver joining in there, I think that we have to touch on her. I mean, what did you think of Weaver getting minutes in these matches? I I think that uh, Vlad Wondonovsky trying to utilize her in sort of those, those late game scenarios are – perhaps going to be the beginning stages of how maybe we see somebody like a Morgan Weaver utilized for mm -hmm. the national team. Uh, there has frequently been um, that type of game changing forward that you want to have on your roster that you can bring in that could just sort of run down and run at a back line. Um, I think we saw that a little bit when we saw the rise of Jessica McDonald making, uh, you know, coming off of really strong NWSL seasons and then making a push in with the national team and then ultimately heading off to the World Cup uh, as part of that larger 23 squad in, in 2019. Uh, so I think that, you know, the ceiling is very high for somebody like a Morgan Weaver. And I think for now, sort of seeing her in these limited uh, minutes that perhaps maybe the coaching staff could be looking at this type of player, maybe a similar um, capacity, but there were, I mean, a, num a ton of players actually getting the, those, those extended minutes or, or looks in, in these caps or in these games with few caps under their belts. Uh, Murphy hatch, uh, Ashley Sanchez, Bethany Balser, mm -hmm. you know, all players walking away with their first ever national team camps in this game. Um, you know, and in terms of, you know, a lot of cook, you know, getting, getting, you know, building on her minutes as well. Um, but I guess looking at like what's considered so funny to think about this, but like looking at what's considered like the ex quote unquote experienced <laughs> players yeah. uh, on this roster, somebody like a, in this case, it was a Rose Lavelle, right? You know, with, with 66 caps or Lindsay Horan with 106 caps, you know, or it's funny to even think about this, but like a Tierna Davidson being yeah. the experienced center back, uh, starting center back in both of these games with, with 40 something um, caps under her belt. Uh, but 
you know, I think with these two games, you could there was a lot there to look at and, and say there's a lot of promising things here. But there are still things that all these players are going to look at and take at and want to take home and, and work on. I think Lindsay Horan, including her, like someone who has the only player on this one next to Becky Sarban who had um, over 100 caps is probably looking at that second game and saying, you know what, I had a better first game, but I didn't have such a great uh, second game. Yeah. Um, She's the type of player that uh, has really kind of become essential for this team in terms of what she does uh, in spaces, you know, for for the national team and, and also her club team. Um, but we sort of saw her, you know, making some interesting choices, right? Some interesting first choices and maybe not so great uh, second choices, mm-hmm. you know, out on, on the pitch in that second match. Uh, and then Rose Lavelle, like getting to see her in like a, a little bit of a higher uh, position, you know, and watching her. Uh, tactical prowess on on the ball was was a delight, and you know again even seeing somebody like Tierna Davidson, kind of being that more experienced, kind of center, more organized type of center back in these two matches, I think also was an opportunity for a player like her that even though she is considered part of this next generation, this next wave of United States women's senior national team players, that being given that opportunity put out there and saying, Hey, you're actually going to be uh, the, the, the leading center back in this one, the one that's actually going to try yeah. to make sure that you're keeping everything. Good. That's an opportunity for a young player like that. And I think that she did uh, a very well in this one. So I, I loved these two series. I, I thought it was a great way to close out the 2021 year for this national team. Uh, and I'm glad that we had these two extra matches to talk about, Lisa, because we weren't too sure if, if that was going to be it for this national team this year. I know. I'm so glad that we had them. And, and Sandra, I want to throw you on the spot, ask you some questions about this and what you said. You mentioned Morgan Weaver being that player that comes in towards the end of the game to run and to be that per- that player that puts a lot of pressure on opponents, which is exactly what she did. And it worked really well. Now, when you look at the history of the roster of this U.S. Women's National Team. Let's throw in a Tobin Heath, an Alex Morgan, a Kristen Press, even into that lineup. Does that role almost switch to an Ashley Hatch instead of getting the start with those things? Like, how how does that fit in to the puzzle of all of the players that are available for the U.S.? Yeah, I think that's a strong possibility. Uh, look, the, the 2023 World Cup is going to be here sooner than we think. It's literally going to be 2022 in a few weeks, right? So the preparation of window for that World Cup is not as long as people think it's going to be. And that's why these two friendlies, this this experience of getting these type of players together to travel and have the experience of being confined together and going overseas to what is going to be a World Cup uh, host country was very, very important. Um, and Vlad Wendonowski had said that he had already had conversations with a number of players in this particular camp about their progression to that January camp. So we are likely going to see a number of players who had an impact in these Australia friendlies in that same January camp, just because he was the type of coach. He said, I don't, I don't want them thinking that this is the end all be all for them. So I had those conversations with them already about inviting them into January camps. And those tend to be camps that are, again, much larger. And we'll, I'm sure, have an episode about that when the time comes. Um, but they tend to be much, much larger, like 30-something odd you know, players. And there's a little bit of a different energy around um, those types uh, of camps. But I, I, I would say that to just sort of hone in more a little bit on your question, 
that I think with the preparation of this and somebody like Hatch maybe filling that role, I think that is a likely possibility. I think that when you get closer to these international tournaments, history has shown us, and I said this when we were talking about the Olympics, history has shown us that the head coaches of these teams have typically relied on the experience of their players. So if you are telling me, if you are asking me, like, oh, like, do we think that this forward, that this forward core is going to be like Lynn Williams and Hatch and Purse moving forward? No, I do not think it is. I do believe they are going to be in the mix in some type of way. But what I would love to see based off of the two games that we've just seen, I would love to see more time in the front line with Margaret Purse. What does that front line look like with a Kristen Press, with a Margaret Purse, with a Lynn Williams, with even a Sophia with a Malpew, we don't know yet. We don't know. And and hopefully we'll find out. So maybe even uh, Trinity Rodman thrown into that mix. I mean, it, the possibilities are endless, Sandra. We're gonna we're gonna find out. I would like again, I'm I would love to see it. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh I'm I'm excited. I, I think this was a again, this was a delightful way to close out the calendar year for the United States women's national team. And we'll likely open up our calendar year on attacking third, talking about uh, national team camps once again. Uh, But for now, we want to thank everybody for listening. As always, we hope you enjoyed our discussions and recaps of of these two matches. We want to thank you all for listening. Another reminder to follow us on Twitter at attacking third or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast shows. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question, Lisa and I will answer it during our mailbag segment. And we're also available as video. So please subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash attacking third for extended NWSL highlights and more. Lisa and I will be back with more off-season news for everybody to enjoy. It is officially off-season in the NWSL. And it is active. So we will have more for you soon. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.